Hi everyone, and welcome to the Conversation with St. Patrick's Studio. My name is Brian Cannon. Today we are joined by Deacon Joe Herrera from the Cochiti Pueblo in New Mexico. And he is now our deacon here at St. Patrick. What we're gonna do is we're gonna have a conversation because November is Native American Heritage Month. And being from the reservation, English is actually your second language, is Correct. that right? Correct, that's right. So let's have a little bit of a conversation about your upbringing, your culture, and how it intersects with your Catholic faith. So okay. Deacon Joe, welcome to the conversation. Thank you. So tell me a little bit about how you were raised. Well, I was, um, my, my, both my parents worked, and so they were off the reservation, and uh, uh, I was blessed with the care of my, uh, my grandparents, and uh, they brought me up in Coach de Pueblo. Uh, where my grandfather was uh, uh, actually the governor of the village and uh, my grandmother was uh, an artist and uh, so she was prolific in her artwork. And uh, as I said, English was my second language. Uh, uh, neither of my parents spoke uh, uh, to me in, uh, uh, in English uh, the, all the time when I was home. Uh, my, that's how my grandparents raised me, yeah, with just uh, our, our own language. And it's uh, in the Pueblo uh, uh, tribe, there's 19 villages, and amongst those 19 villages, there's five languages to, uh, spoken, all very distinct from one another. So I happen to speak the Kerisan uh, language. Give us a little taste of what that language uh, uh, The way we would like. say a greedy was, uh, if it's singular, it's Kuetsi. Uh, for a plural with many, it's a Kuetsi Na. That means, you know, greetings. Now, what I found absolutely intriguing about the Pueblo culture, where you're from, is this, this mixture of beliefs and, and systems. You, you even mentioned to me that there are patrons for the, the different villages. So how, how do you mix those, um, the native culture with like the Roman Catholic Church? Well, good, uh, good question. Um, in the 1500s, of course, uh, the Spaniards came into New Mexico and along with them, they brought the Franciscan friars. And so we, in essence, didn't really have a choice of, you know, the kind of religion that they preferred uh, because they, you know, so to speak, con you know, conquered us and were uh, watching over us. And uh, uh, but, so there was, um, uh, there was a little mix of uh, some, or some tension, but uh, uh, we, we understood what their faith was trying to do, you know, the, with um, you know uh, reverence to a you know a god you know a supreme being and we too on our on our reservation also have a uh, a one god you know type of an approach and uh, so we mix the two and today it uh, uh, many of the villages uh, actually mix much of the cultural uh, aspects of the you know of the traditions yeah we do dances inside the church and um, uh, for each patron saint celebration, like our uh, July 14th is the uh, Feast of St. Bonaventure. And so we do a dance in our village and it's open to the public. And uh, the first dance in the village uh, by the villagers is always done in front of the Catholic Church to honor St. Bonaventure. And then, then they go to the plaza, where is our kind of our worship center. And uh, that's where we do the dances, the traditional dances. This enculturation is something that's experienced throughout cultures worldwide because you know in the catholic faith sometimes especially in the the latin rite the western rite what we would call the roman catholic church mm -hmm. we forget that there's a bunch of other catholic churches within the, the catholic church and most of those are very localized they are within a culture they're within a language some of those eastern catholic churches and that was the beginning of the the latin rite too it's the Roman Catholic mm -hmm. Church, meaning that it's centered along Rome. But now we have this phenomenon of this very localized right mm -hmm. 
gets spread worldwide. So right. you have encountering different cultures all over the world. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. So how do some of those um, native practices from your people um, incorporate into the life of the church? One of the things that I wanted to point out is the pouch that you're wearing. Mm -hmm. And would you maybe show that off a little bit and, yeah. and talk about it? Okay, uh, the men in the village, um, uh, when we're initiated, we always have uh, uh, what we call a medicine pouch. And within this medicine pouch is uh, what we uh, call cornmeal. And cornmeal is a very sacred, it's kind of like holy water. And uh, whenever we enter a building or bless someone, bless a, you know, uh, just a, a place, uh, we always sprinkle cornmeal. And it's uh, very sacred. We always breathe on it and then you bless it and then you ask for blessings back. So uh, this is, uh, uh, in all our traditional ceremonies, we always carry that with us. I saw something kind of funny the other day, and it was a question. And the question was, what do people assume is in the Bible, but is actually 100% not in the Bible? And I was expecting an answer was like, you know, sometimes there's movie quotes that you recite so many times, but it's not actually in the movie. So I'm, I'm expecting a quote from Jesus that he never said or anything like that. But the answer was very different and was really funny. The answer of what is actually not in the Bible is white people. <laughs> I thought that was like kind of, well, it's 100% true, mm -hmm. right? But we're so used to, I'm so used to going to an art museum and I see like the Northern European paintings of Jesus as a Northern European. And that's what I see on crucifixes and things like that. So from the perspective of your culture, can you describe Jesus? Okay. I think that, um, well, I think Vatican II opened the doors, you know, to, uh, to enculturation. And I think it really opened the doors to, uh, I guess, not only the, the Catholic faith, but, you know, uh, people from the outside understanding what's inside Native America. And, you know, there were people of many faces, uh, many languages, you know, many tribes. And I think that, you know, uh, many people can, can see that uh, now uh, that people that know Christ see it in so many different faces, whatever color it may be, whatever, again, whatever tribe, whatever culture. I mean, it, it, there's, uh, there's so many. Um, so I think that's probably something that um, I think many people um, can appreciate now is mm -hmm. that um, it's widened our vision. In fact, uh, um, um, in our uh, archdiocese, when I was the uh, director of Native American ministry, and, and um, we uh, annually put on a um, uh, Native American mass with archbishop in attendance, uh, he had always would appreciate the Native Americans' contribution to, to the Roman Catholic faith. And that um, he always stood at the, you know, at the ambo saying, you can be Catholic and you can be Native American at the same time. So there was a mutual appreciation of what, um, you know, what Native America uh, contributed to the, to the faith. And, and that really enhanced, uh, you know, the participation amongst the Native people because they were appreciated, you know. And, and I think that goes for, you know, any place, any place in the world, you know, that uh, if they're appreciated, by, yeah, they'll come. That's right. And, and there's a, an enrichment that happens yes. because of that. Like, you know, growing up, I would not have imagined dancing in the church, you know, mm -hmm. but maybe growing up where you are, it's unimaginable to not dance 
in the church. Correct. Right? And so things like artistic expression, music, prayer, they all have to be in our own languages that Correct. we understand that are rooted in our human experience. Correct. Right? And Correct. so as a child, I could imagine growing up where you grew up, if all I ever see is European Jesus, mm -hmm. it seems so very other. I would imagine. Mm -hmm. and, and maybe prayer life can be like that too. So can you tell me a, a little bit about your own prayer life, your experience with prayer, and how it relates to your culture? Well, um, as young children, um, typically uh, grandparents, or uh, at least in my time growing up, were, uh, uh, took care of you uh, because the parents are usually working uh, either in town or in the fields, whatever. And so but the grandparents would uh, teach you to pray immediately. You know, the minute you began to learn how to talk, they would teach you prayers, you know, along with, you know, just teaching you the common language. But they also began to teach you songs, and the songs are prayers. You know, many people don't understand that in our ceremonies, um, uh, particularly the religious ceremonies, uh, the songs are prayers. Yeah. And so, you know, from that, I think, uh, uh, I learned that um, uh, every aspect of what I did was, uh, was to be prayerful. Uh, in fact, uh, in, our, in our language or in our, uh, in our uh, tribe, there's no word for religion. Uh, we, uh, in, our, in our language, we call it manya, which means way of life. So when we talk about religion, it should always be, what is your way of life, not just yeah, I'm a Roman Catholic or, you know, Presbyterian or whatever that might be. It's, you know, how you live your life, you know, daily. Right. And so in, in our village, yeah, there was a church, but we also have our own native church, which is, you know, many of you have experienced uh, going to a uh, Pueblo village and there's a round Kiva, that's our church. Mm -hmm. And inside there, there's, you know, we do the songs, we do the prayers, and we do our worship there. So, you know, there's a lot of ritual. And then, you know, when we moved that over to the Catholic Church, you know, also filled with ritual, you know, all of a sudden the people began to understand, you know, these things kind of have meaning. But then the Catholic Church also said, wow, you know, if we can, you know, bring some of what rituals are within the neo-native tradition into the church, uh, the reservation, that brings more people because now they understand. And so there's a marriage, you know, of two, you know, of, traditions, you know, the mm -hmm. Roman Catholic and, and, and the native tradition. And you recognize that they're sourced from the same place, yes. which is the, the true beauty of it, is because it's this universal human experience, which yeah. we know, you know, the word Catholic means universal. Yeah. And, um, and it comes by it honestly, right? Mm -hmm. That there is something about how God has created us, that we have um, understandings in common regardless of the culture. The expressions of them are different, mm -hmm. right? But when we're able, I'll use the word marriage, and I think that's beautiful because in a marriage, two things come together and they become something more than the sum of their parts, mm -hmm. right? And so I think that's what you've described in terms of ritual. And I love, you know, you bring up the kiva or some of the other mm -hmm. things that are used in your, um, your own cultural expressions. And I wonder if there's other signs or symbols that you can talk about that we can, who are looking in from the outside to the culture, learn from? What are some of those signs and symbols? Well, um, well, let's use just some uh, things that are coming up. Uh, uh, we have um, um, uh, All Souls Day coming up, you know, um, uh, and 
it's we've done this from time immemorial because we also uh, celebrate um, uh, All Souls Day, you know, on the reservation, and um, we go into our uh, respective uh, houses of worship, not just the kiva, because there's many societies within each village, you know, and I belong to one of those. So all those within our society, you know, come to that place of worship. We sing songs, and then we remember the dead. And, you know, prayer feathers are, are uh, prepared by the medicine uh, societies. And, you know, each feather, you know, for each member that has passed, you know, that we remember. And then um, all of those, uh, uh, when we gather, or when we remember all those, then we gather them all. And um, then young men take those feathers out to a distant place uh, on, a, on a hill or a mountain and facing the village and bury those feathers. And because now it is those, the spirits of those that have gone now will look over the village people. So that's, you know, that's some of the symbols, you know, that, uh, you know, that um, a kind of, kind of mix, you know, with the Catholic faith. And, and um, so there's, you know, there's really no um, celebration, you know, uh, uh, with the Catholic church, but they understand that what they're doing is very similar to what will happen in church. Right. So that ritual that you've described is so great because if I were there watching it, I would have some understanding of it because that's the way that symbol and ritual work, right? Mm -hmm. Even mm -hmm. people who wander into a Catholic church, you know, they, they ha they'll have some understanding of what's going on, but it's not until somebody breaks it open with you that you realize it is that universal experience. It is what your family celebrates, albeit with different names and in a different way. Right. So that's one uh, ritual or, or experience that's upcoming is are there any other examples yeah for uh, again at this time of the year there's a change of seasons and um, Native Americans uh, at least the Pueblo tribe uh, uh, have a great appreciation for this time of the year because now the Sun moves to the south and we have ceremonies just for that we have saw particular songs where we send the Sun back to the south and because you know, now that's where the sun goes back to fertilize, you know, mm -hmm. what is in the south, you know. And so we have, you know, we thank the gifts that you know, the sun has afforded us and uh, we send it. And then in the spring, we bring it back, you know. So it's interesting how we um, uh, appreciate the seasons and, you know, everything kind of revolves around, you know, environment and appreciation of the earth. And, um, and I think that's something paramount to, to us all, especially in, in today's time that we appreciate what Mother Earth has, you know, has afforded us. And, you know, how can we care for it? And how can we care for others in another hemisphere? And so now through prayers, we are sending the sun back to those that need it for, you know, for their own you know, sake to, you know, for rain and growth and, you know, all that. The idea of connection yeah. to the earth, which is so essential for survival, right? Mm -hmm. You have to understand the seasons. Yes. You have to understand the planting and the, when the rains are happening and when they're not. And, and uh, in our culture and society here, we can tend to be so removed from, mm -hmm. from that cycle. We know when pumpkin spice latte season <laughs> is, but like to actually have it affect our, our, our very life, right? So that integration of life and understanding, which now kind of brings it full circle. Right. I understand why you might not have a word for religion right. in your culture, mm -hmm. because it's simply the way of life. Correct. Sorry. Any other wisdom that we can gain from our conversation today? Well, um, 
I think that um, uh, uh, I certainly hope that there are people now that can go visit uh, reservations uh, uh, with an openness uh, and appreciation for the culture that exists there, uh, that the people uh, are always open. You know, they're, they're always very welcoming as, you know, a parish would be, you know, uh, where they would welcome you into their homes and, and feed you. And that happens uh, in, in, in Pueblos, you know, throughout the Southwest where on feast days, you know, they, uh, they open all their homes, welcome everybody and feed them. You know, send them home with, you know, gifts of food and whatever. Yeah, and, you're speaking uh, my language now. There's going to be food, I'm going to be there. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think that, you know, that's a lesson for all of us that, you know, we, um, we as people um, appreciate and worship in, uh, in, men, in much the same way. And it's just, uh, we all do it in little different ways, you know, mm -hmm. and just to appreciate how others might do it. Yeah, I think it gives us value, you know, that, you know, we're doing something really good. Now, this is just for fun. I'm not letting you off the hook on this one because uh, we talked a little bit before about you met a very interesting person in the course of your dancing career. Yes. Want to talk a little bit about that? <laughs> well, I was fortunate. Um, yeah, in my 1962 through 67, I was a, a dancer, a dancer at the Indian Village at Disneyland. Uh, and so during my summers of my high school and college uh, life, I danced at Disneyland. And... Um, uh, was fortunate to meet Disney and uh, Walt Disney, Uncle Walt, as we called him. That's right. And you know, there's something about him too that people need to uh, to uh, to recognize is that uh, whenever there was a foreign dignitary that came into uh, into Disneyland, he would always greet them at the very uh, at the very, at the entrance to, to Disneyland. Uh, first thing they would do is go around on the train, and then uh, then they get back down to uh, Main Street. I uh, take them in one of those little buggies and they drive, you know, down Main Street into Frontierland, into the Indian village, because he would always tell his dignitaries, this is where America began. He was very proud of, uh, of uh, Native Americans and uh, the Indian village. Amazing story. Yeah. Is it really the happiest place on earth? Yes. Of course it is. Yes, of course it is. <laughs> Deacon Joe Herrera, thank you so much for such a great conversation. I really appreciate it. This has been The Conversation with St. Patrick's Studio. My name is Brian Cannon, and we will see you next time.